it's vivid in my memory that every time I had a birthday, probably until I was nine or ten years old, my parents, probably because they were still new parents, were like, we have to have a legitimate birthday and have his friends come over. Mm -hmm. And I would get nauseated every birthday. I would, like, get almost sick. Like, well, I would get sick. Like, it would almost be like, we have to shut this down because I'm falling apart because it was this very unfair thing to me as a kid that I did nothing to deserve this except be born. (laughs) And so now that I'm born and I have people over, all of a sudden I think I have to be some kind of host to ensure that other people are having a good time at my birthday party. And I was so focused on other people having a good time that I would get, I would just, I would get sick and I would just be like, this is the worst thing ever because I wanted everyone to be happy. And I'm like, I'm trying to read everybody. Not that I knew what nonverbal cues were at that time. That's like current communications professor talking, but like, I would just look around and be like, I don't think they're having a good time, mom. I don't, I don't like, just get like, <laughs> like seven and eight. And then finally my parents were like, okay, fine. And to this day, I am never at work on my birthday. I take it off because I hate office parties because I hate walking in on something to where everybody's catering to me and I don't really get to do anything like, no, 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 no. Like the only time that wasn't awkward was my my uh, wedding reception mm. to where I was like, yeah, I deserve this <laughs> because we worked our butts off for you people. I'd already served before that. But until yeah. then it was like, and my wife Chelsea even knows maybe not to do surprises as much because... It makes me sick to my stomach. I just don't mm-hmm. like it having nothing to do, like only to do with me. And it is not in my hands to help anybody else. So that that was like my story from childhood. I remember there's pictures of me and I'm always so pale <laughs> because they're like, yeah, this <laughs> you were so sick. And it's so cool. There's like a Batman themed party. Yeah. Everybody got action figures, Batman cake. But I have this like orange trucker hat on that I loved and I look like I'm going to die soon. Just awful. That's so good. Okay, so this is hilarious because my story is also about birthday parties. No way. Yes. And the like again, um, what's that fifty song? Oh, it's my party, I can cry if I want yeah, to. Yeah. Okay, that was kinda like a joke with my family, um, because I would cry at my birthday party no so way. much. Yes. That's so funny. And the specific one that I'm thinking of is we had um, church friends and school friends over, and they weren't getting along, and I cried. And yeah. was just, I just lost it. It was Because you terrible. feel responsible. Yes. Uh-huh. They're not having a fun time. Oh They're like, gosh. you know, there was like a click. You know, the yeah. school friends were hanging out, and the, the church friends were hanging out. And I think there was like more of one than the other, so it felt awkward and unbalanced. Oh, no. And I was so concerned about that so yeah. anyway yeah how dare you put those two groups together I know. right the church friends and the school I friends know, i know it just it's feels a terrible like idea i should have had two parties yes it's yeah. way easier when it's a just because uh-huh rather than it's it's for emily yes oh absolutely <laughs> yeah just putting yeah. it under the umbrella of because of you yeah like, if no, i no went thanks. to someone else's birthday there this would not be a oh, problem sure. right yeah i'm like why are you having such a hard time yeah can i help you do you need isn't Pepto? that hilarious that yeah we have that's the same really funny thing not even planned yeah welcome to story shape life a podcast where we help make sense of the stories we believe about ourselves others and the world we live in We're your hosts, Ben and Sam, and this season we're focusing on the Enneagram. 
a popular tool for understanding the way we view the world and the strategies that we use to interact with it. Join us today as we talk about Enneagram Type 2. Let me just say, what? Uh, this is going to be a really exciting episode. Why? Uh, because I really like Type 2s, and I've like hey. noticed, so I, I took some time before today like look through my life and like people that have I've like have p- played an important role mm-hmm. so and a lot of them were type twos. Our love language. This is great. So, so I'm start, excited. Starting and that strong. being said, Welcome. this is our episode for um, type twos. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, mm, <laughs> great, great intro. Somehow made it nice. Job. That was good. Yeah, well, today we're talking about type twos. Woo! It takes twos to tango. (laughs) And with us, (laughs) we have Carter Willis. Hi. Carter, tell us three things about yourself. Three things about myself. I am married to a beautiful blonde-headed girl named Chelsea. Formerly, you don't even need to know. Her her maiden name is far in the past. She is now (laughs) Chelsea Willis, whom I'm very much in love with. Um... And I know she's going to listen to this, so this is me just kind yeah. of buttering her, giving yeah. to her. Yeah. I'm just right, my right. three things are going to be about three people I love and just encouraging them. That's no, um, <laughs> I am a uh, communications professor at Dallas Baptist University, the program director of a master's in communication. I love it, um, and maybe we get into that later. But it's I think it's because I get to just nurture a bunch of people and mm-hmm. do everything I can for them. That's cool. Um, and I'm uh, almost done with a doctorate, Whee! so doctor two. That'll be me, um, hopefully by August, maybe by December. Um, but yeah, I guess that was three things about me. Very cool. And we also have my favorite ever. We're just starting very strong. Oh, I thought you were going to like wait and then we we're going to say Emily at the same time. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Emily. Yeah. What? Emily. <laughs> we have Emily, my wife. Hey. Tell us three things about yourself. Um... Well, I'm a new mom. I have a 10-week-old, mm-hmm. so I'm currently As of yesterday. staying home with her, and I'm a counselor. Uh, my third thing was going to be that I was your wife, but you already gave that away. Oh, right? oh so, spoiler. Yeah. Whoops. But my third cool. thing was going to be that I was his wife, too. <laughs> Man. Oh, oh, I'll give a fun fact. Okay. Um, my third thing is that... Our senior year, <laughs> oh, this Carter is a great and I were both um, homecoming king and queen together. That was yeah. us. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't even think about that when we asked you guys. We to used do to. This. We joked for a full uh, yeah. academic year that this was our kingdom. Yeah. And do you we think were... at some point we could do like a study on uh, how many twos win homecoming king yes, and queen? Yes, that would yeah. be very Ooh. interesting. It would be. Uh, my mind went a completely different direction, <laughs> and we need to like attach a picture. Of their like homecoming. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This week on the podcast, yeah. we have, and it's just like both of them in their homecoming yeah. regalia. Yeah, that'd be very good. That would be good. Yeah, we'd be all, all right. dressed up for the occasion. Oh, for yeah. sure. That'd be great. <laughs> so our kind of theoretical focus on the enneagram is two two things in particular, um, what we call the social strategy and um, core awareness or core motivation, and the name that we've given to type twos based on these two things is the receptive influence seeker. Hmm. Receptive being the social strategy, influence seeker being the core uh, focus, core motivation. Hmm. 
um, receptive comes out of, and we've explained this before, but for you guys, um, and M is deeply aware of this. Actually, a lot of the the interest that I have in psychology came just from conversations that M and I have had. Um, but receptive is is essentially a social strategy that's based around looking for opportunities to connect mm-hmm. um, versus uh, making opportunities mm-hmm. or kind of bringing your own opportunities with you and you're you're kind of holding on to them oh, and ready great. to give them out. That's that's where yeah. the, the different yeah. types. So how do you see yourself or can you give us an example of a yeah. way that you've, you're like looking for those opportunities? Yeah, I could give a couple. Um, I, uh, especially if I see someone who's so close friend, Vince Kelly, I don't know mm-hmm. if he's going to end up being one of the numbers later or anything, but we're hoping so. Uh, he's a six and he recently really got into League of Legends which I had never even scratched the surface of, but he was very passionate about it and loved it. And I could see that in him. And so now I am too. Like, I feel like I'm coming alongside him. I'm watching Twitch streams of it. I'm playing it. Um, Other things too. Yeah, definitely in looking for ways to connect. Mm -hmm. Um, I basically worked in sales for six years. Oh man, Emily and I have so many connections. Uh, I'm who replaced Emily after she left... Uh, undergraduate admissions. So in admissions, you have to stand at these booths. I probably did. Mm-hmm. I know I did at least 500 college fairs mm-hmm. over six years and um, almost could always connect with somebody. Um, if you're wearing any kind of sports logo, mm-hmm. I was like, that's my chance. Even if it's like, oh, Blackhawks, how are they doing this year? I'm not a big hockey fan, but I know that that's the mm-hmm. Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know. I want to find a commonality because I feel like that's one of the gateways to I mean, I'm not going to get super deep with strangers, but at least getting past surface level. Yeah, that's what's interesting to me about the receptive group or triad, which is twos, sixes, and ones. Ones is it's this you're looking for, for kind of like little red flags or little the red flags has a, a negative connotation, I guess, but little something that you can grab onto and kind of start your way forward, mm-hmm. um, which I think is different from the other two triads. Um, Samuel and I are both in the withdrawing group or the the reserved group so we kind of come with like our five our five connection opportunities and we're like right you start i'll let i'll let you know if i want to (laughs) you start talking um for me it that makes me think of like kind of hunting people down in a similar way that carter talks about um like looking for those connection opportunities i think um well like in our relationship with my relationship with Ben, um, I was like constantly looking for those connection points. So I like pursued way past what would probably be comfortable for most other numbers, I guess. Um, and then that was the case in a lot of my friendships too. Um, girls that I met in college that like were maybe people that would be like hard to love for others. I was like all about trying to like break their shell and get to know them and um, like find out how to be friends. Um, uh, Also as an RA, I was able to like connect with tons of different kinds of girls in my hall. Um, Anytime that there's like a birthday party or mm-hmm. a bridal shower or a baby shower or whatever. It's really interesting. Like the group of people that are there, they're usually not people that would normally be friends with each other, but I've like brought a collective of interesting people together because I'm trying to figure out how to be friends with all of these different kinds of people. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think something really interesting that y'all both kind of referenced is also that, 
your main goal in those first conversations is how can we take this a little bit deeper than surface mm-hmm. level? For and sure. And I, I don't think all types share that. I mean, I definitely don't. I have no interest in getting deep <laughs> right at, off the top. So, yeah. What ways have you seen that that strategy, that social strategy, that way of working out your, your core story, that script is what we would call it, work out in a way that you later realized was n- not necessarily the most healthy? Yeah. Mm. Um, I was like just thinking this. I have realized through conversation with you that usually the only reason I will pursue a relationship is because I think that person needs something from me. Hmm. And I'm really bad at pursuing relationships just because it could be fun to get to know them or I want to know that person. Um, Or like that would uh, help me or impact me. And um, I want to get better at that because I know that I could benefit from knowing people that could help me more than I could help them. And I don't know if that's a, yeah, anyway, I could go on analyzing myself and why I do that. (laughs) But um, yeah, that gets in my way for sure. I think something negative that I see that is, and I've seen it before, but like if I'm seeking out somebody who might not normally get the kind of attention that I've given them until it happens from Mm me, um, I think there's a connection there that eventually gets one-sided to where mm-hmm. they're more invested in it than mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. But I'm invested in so many people, mm-hmm. and I begin to having having to prioritize. Yeah. The, and especially when you get older, this is my family. This is my church. This is my colleague. These are my friends. You're on the outskirts. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of relationships that I got deep real quick, mm-hmm. and I left them out there to dry. Mm-hmm. And I felt really bad about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. To where it's just like a call that I'll get months and months from there. I was like, man, like we had memories for a hot minute, but they they were deep enough that it was yeah. like a person who would call me months later. Yeah. And they'll see that relationship much deeper than you see it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Carter's my best friend. Sure. And you're like, I have like yeah. 10 other people that I'm closer to than you. Yeah. yeah and you do. Yeah. And then it's tough too because then you're like. I don't want to be superficial because I don't think a two is going to seek out that person anyways, right? Then we become the person that would have been the last person that we would have tried to be friends with. Doing. You know? Yeah. That's good. One of the things that I've found in all types is that there's always a, what am I getting out of this? Sure. And so we're in the six, it might be approaching someone in the intentionality of, um, are you trustworthy? I feel like the two is often, can I serve you? And if I can't, that's where sometimes it gets yeah. kind of murky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and like dropping off people. I think that that happens a lot in the like, oh, I can't serve you mm-hmm. and I don't have to invest in you. Yeah. yeah. And You don't and need me. Exactly. So and something. Yeah. This? I think it's funny. Just thinking about our marriage and the times that she's like, not in a big way, but in little ways has come and said, what's wrong or you know, like whatever our moments when she's like, I don't have anything to do for you. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have this figured out. You're taking care of the baby or what? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, but that's not how this works. Right. Or even you just coming home in a bad mood mm. and me not being able to do anything to fix it. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, yeah, this is bad. And yeah. I multiple times have said, I just want to be. In a I bad just mood. want to be in a bad mood. <laughs> I'm like, what? oh, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's so much. Um, 
Yeah, with Chelsea and I, I I have to consistently remind myself, and then I'll be hard on myself that I have to remind myself. Yeah. Um, because I should know better if I'm trying right, to help sure. somebody, especially uh-huh. my wife. Anyways, um, I could just have that side note the whole time. It's like, and then I think I should do this. Thing. Um, <laughs> but I have to remind myself if she's angry, most of the time it's probably not at me. Yeah. But somehow it feels at you because Absolutely. you've taken on this responsibility yeah. of making sure this person is never upset mm-hmm. or never needing want. And something mm-hmm. else too that you fall into, I think, is, uh, and I think a lot of a lot of numbers probably do this, and you probably notice it more in marriage. Is um, I think I'm expecting to be served in the way that I see service. Oh yeah. Um, but again, that's like a love language, you know. Then we start getting into another podcast, right? But yeah. it's like a <laughs> It's a thing to where maybe if I'm not getting that back in the exact same way that I give it, even though I'm welcoming any form of it, you know? Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about this, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but one of the things I've noticed of twos who are going through kind of a moment of growth Mm. uh, is they've realized a lot of the way they approach people is for themselves as well. Yeah, dude. And that's like a big breaking point moment. Because it's, it's, again, we go back to how do I serve you? But the, the big emphasis in that is that I'm serving you because that, that makes me this feel does good. something for yeah, me. Absolutely. I had a moment in college where I was like, oh my gosh, I have to stop doing anything nice for anyone because I have terrible motives. And I just like fell off the face of the earth for a few months and just stopped doing anything for anyone because I was like beating myself up for having done all of those things just because it was like, making me feel good and trying mm-hmm. to make sense of it you know yeah. and you know jump back in eventually but it was like this brain explosion moment of i thought i've lived my whole life for other people and yeah. really i'm living it for myself yeah that epiphany happened for me in marriage mm. like a year in um and it's the biggest epiphany one of the biggest so far right i've been married for three years yeah so um <laughs> but realizing i didn't and, and this just gets to piggyback off of just letting Chelsea be angry. Yeah. But I wasn't trying to make her happy for the sake of her being happy. Mm-hmm. It was because yeah. I was so empathetic and I felt everything that she felt. Uh-huh. And if she's happy, I'm happy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's and, so uncomfortable. And when I realized mm-hmm. that, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you just fall into that like, oh, it's bad. And the most screwed up person ever. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad because, I mean, there's there's truth in the sense that we want to recognize those things and grow in those things and that's great but it's also said because in some way that is a like that is part of the two's like superpower yeah and and it's not something to hate on it's just something to like claim healthily and mm-hmm. work out in a healthy mm-hmm. way and which brings us to the second half of the name for the enneagram type two the receptive influence seeker is that idea of influence seeking which um, the way you describe it is that everybody has three different parts to their core narrative, and that is a personal story, story of me, a social story, a story of us, and a universal story, um, a kind of a story of everything, or where is everything going? And that leads to, if we have an awareness of one of those particular stories, then that leads to a, mot- a certain motivation for type twos. That's a we have you guys have an a. Um, keen awareness of people's personal stories which leads to a motivation for influence i think it's really neat that you guys have that awareness it's just a question of how do you 
how do you use it? How do you use that awareness and how do you use that motivation for influence over others um, as you see their story work out and the possibilities in their story? Mm-hmm. And this is a small thing, but I think it's interesting how you can practically see that in their job selection mm. as compared oh, absolutely. to others. I, I, there's definitely a lot of jobs that more are more individual centered and then you get more like group centered and then you get more universally centered mm-hmm. and and in both of y'all's cases i think that's they're very accurate representations yeah. of the individual center yeah for sure so we didn't plan this question but i'm curious because this has come up a lot how as twos because i think this is one of the numbers that in our culture at least has the most uh, has a lot of uh, cultural weight to it how as twos do you feel it culturally weighty um to be a woman as a type two and to be a man as a type two. There's a couple of others, but type twos are in that group that at least in America have just a lot of built-in expectation for specific gender roles. Yeah, I think um, most, I don't know, that's a big, a lot of women think that they are twos because culture like says that they should be Mm -hmm. like servants in their home and always caring for people and all that kind of stuff um so i think i doubt myself a lot and i'm like am i really a two because i see all the fake twos out there and (laughs) imposters imposters. (laughs) um but i'll like yeah wonder am i one of those like do i really want to serve people like a two serves people like is this all a game am i acting <laughs> at this um yeah like just the other day thinking about recording tonight i was like maybe they shouldn't interview me because what if i'm not a two like <laughs> halfway through the podcast it's revealed. <laughs> oh, dun, dun, dun. Um, i'm an 11 <laughs> So anyway, I don't know if that answers your question enough, but like because there's such a push for female twos, I doubt my own legitimacy as a two because I am a female, you know? Yeah, that's good. Carter? Yeah, I think on my end, it's, I meant to look up some statistics about how many identifying twos are men. Yeah. It's like the male nurse. I feel like that's the that's the stereotype that gets put yeah. on male twos. For sure. And I think I've been I I basically live my life not that I don't care what people think, but I'm not influenced by someone's opinion on me very much. But I think that's why I, I'm totally fine to embrace being a two and being a man. But I think it's something that not that it's like going against the culture of just being a man. But it's not the kind of, like, in a perfect world, I'm surrounded by men that, like, share their feelings, right? Um, I No matter what type they are. Right. I'm verbally processing. I'm talking to discover what they need. I'm not just saying this is what's wrong from the beginning, and then let's all work to fix it. Though I am mixed with being that as well. And I think something that happens, too, especially in a marriage, being the man and being the two, now I have this cultural responsibility of being a husband mixed with just wanting to completely serve anyways. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of the weakness of a two is kind of going to martyrdom and just saying, you know what, I'll just take this. I'm the guy. Uh, you don't have to deal with this right now. Just, just let me do it, and then I'll just deal with it. Um, even th- But the 
yeah, the weaknesses I never do. Like I'm so focused on other people's time that I don't really want to spend time on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather keep quiet and hear what's wrong with you. Oh, we've run out of time and then go. Um, I'm never going to be the first one to speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of contradicts itself, I think, a little bit too. No, that's good. I was just curious because that's, that's one that's come up a lot. Yeah. Is the idea of like how <clears throat> our, our cultural expectations for people can make them think, oh, I'm this or that, or, or family expectations. There's lots of different versions yeah. of expectations that come up, but I've seen lots of people that are I'm like, oh, I'm this, you know, Enneagram type or that Enneagram type. And I'm like, sure, whatever you want. Right. But also, but recognizing, oh man, part of this is just, you think that's what you're supposed to be. And that's not going to be of any help whatsoever. I haven't ever made that connection before, but when Carter was talking about um, uh, not caring what other people think, I have that really strongly too like in high school i was telling you Mm -hmm. telling ben this story the other day how um we would take band trips to an amusement park and i hate roller coasters and i would stand in line for every single roller coaster with my friends just having good conversation and then i'd step over Mm -hmm. and that's what i did all day long and people would be like don't you think you're gonna regret this like, you're going to leave the park and be like, man, I should have ridden a roller coaster. And I'd be like, nope. Yeah. And they'd, like, try to convince me to ride them. And that's the best story I can think of. But that I really don't care. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I've never seen that as a characteristic of a two. But knowing that we both have that in common, what about that do you think? Or is there anything? It just, is it just a coincidence? Or do you think there's a two trait in that? Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good – because I think a lot of people would think of twos as, like, pushovers because they're constantly exactly. helping people but but i I've, I've identified that trend too yeah because i mean the twos that i know that i'm close with have have all been the same way of mm. this kind of this on is their who own I track am. Yeah. yeah i wonder if it's a uh when you're giving when you see it something as like oh you need this or you right is this something good for you then you're willing to but outside of that Oh, you want a buddy for a roller coaster? They ain't gonna kill you. I ain't gonna do that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a different category, and so I wonder if that's where it's like, well, if it's not really for your good, or uh, you're right, like, there's, it's not really an opportunity for connection. But that's kind of speculation. Yeah, maybe it could even be defined as something as like just being comfortable in our skin. Yeah, and comfort being the emphasis in terms of. Again, I think I mentioned it early. It's like I don't think anyone ever figures out that they're a two and doesn't really want to be, and it's like bummer. Yeah, you know? right. It's called the helper, like right. for most things. It's like, oh, cool. That's yeah. got That's a, a positive thing. connotation Absolutely. to it, right? It's mm-hmm. not like the warrior or something right, like that. Right, right. <laughs> but I think, um, and it could go back to the selfishness of it too, but I think mm-hmm. that when we find the people that have been put into a box, those are the ones we're most attracted to to try and get them out so that they can be the same kind of comfort that we mm-hmm. are. Um so maybe what's that's what that is. Like I want to help you not care what people think about you because I can tell you from this empathetic mm. viewpoint that there's that's so the many cool things about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I I just I'm still stuck on this because it's like a Sam rant of mine, but it's just such uh, I think with the rise of enneagram within pop culture, there and we've talked about this a lot, but uh, people like reading short information mm-hmm. and running with it. Mm-hmm. And so like when people read about the Enneagram online, they like to just grab one thing of each type oh, mm-hmm. and then just run with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think 
for example, fours get a, a pretty negative rep. Eight eights get a f- for sure negative rep. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman, eight. Yeah, if man, eight. It's like, yeah, you nailed it. You're the, yeah. you're the super dude. If My you're a woman, eight. eight. It's like, really? <clears throat> cool. And I, I could go through like each one and the things that people pick out. Yep. But it, it's like those that phrase, like the helper, mm-hmm. is just the the sure. one thing that people will grab onto yeah. too. And so people like to associate it as a, a selfless uh-huh. help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I think it's inconsistent. Totally. Because yeah. the the thing that makes the two uncomfortable is the realization that it's not selfless. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that that will drive you all nuts, but yeah. that's oh, kind of the root of it. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think if if people use the Enneagram incorrectly or as a weapon, which I think a lot of that's what stereotyping essentially does. Then it becomes like, oh, you're you're a two. You want to help me, right? That's the like they create an expectation around it. Mm. Sure. But I think a two's awareness of of the story of me works for others and for yourself. You are aware of your own narrative as it connects to somebody else's narrative, but you haven't given up your own narrative. So if somebody's like, come help me, because that's what you're supposed to do. It's like, nah, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I still have my own story. I'm not giving yeah. it up. I in in the best situation, I'm laying it down. Or utilizing it for the sake of somebody else, but it's not like again, it's not a doormat. Sure, yeah. I don't think I think that's a again yeah. a misconception of twos. Understanding myself as a two better when people are like, "Oh yeah, the helper you would be like when yeah. they find yeah. out that I'm a two. I'm like, I'm like, if you only knew, like yeah. <laughs> it's not as good as it sounds. <laughs> so we have both been talking a lot about um, kind of creating these. Uh, in a in a more non-stereotypical way, I think the beauty of the Enneagram as a whole is we all play a certain role. We play a role in one-on-one relationships. We play a role in group relationships. We play a universal role. But if you could identify, maybe let's just say in a sentence, uh, what role do you have? What is your, your, your like main driving role? Yeah, like in the world, what did type twos bring to the table? Gosh. Yeah. If you're talking about like NASCAR or something, I mean, a type two is of the pit crew, right? Mm. So I recognize the vitality of my role, but I don't have to be the figurehead. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. It's like, let me be the curator. Like, let me. Really comfortable being behind the scenes. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And I'm totally cool with that. And I, and, and I know it's tough because it's like three people at this table that know me and there's not as much especially if you knew me like in my undergrad to where I was too much behind the scenes, but um, I did enjoy the spotlight and things like that too. But I'm also loving just as much like watching somebody else like reach their potential. And again, I mean, the selfishness always comes, I guess we can say any of this stuff knowing that it's two sided, but like Mm -hmm. if I can help uh, nurture you to the point to where I see you've reached something that's like probably a catalyst for your life in terms of discovering who you are, um, all for it. Maybe that's more group than universal, but um, I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of anything more glamorous than like quietly polishing or like uh, something that's just saying I can take credit for it. You know, like there's a certain part that I can take credit for. Yeah. But I'm not gonna be. Yeah. Right in the middle of it. Yeah. I feel like it's such generalities. That and, I'm speaking no, that's right good. Now. If you, and like I. I can take credit for it in my own mind. Nobody else needs to know that I take credit for it. But as long as I know that <laughs> I played a role in it, 
individually by myself, then I, I feel good about it. Yeah. If you th- if you could name, and maybe this would help, if you could name a kind of universal big picture issue, like confusion or chaos or mm-hmm. um, whatever, uh, what do you think is the big issue or type of brokenness in the world that twos just get to mm-hmm. on, a, on a good day and their healthiness and their you know, at their best, they're really like combating to, it. Mm-hmm. What are they, what are they combating in whatever space they are? Like whether it's one-on-one with certain groups, whether whatever it's like, but this is where they're just, they're good at finding that and plugging it. Um, with being a counselor and I don't know if this is specifically in counseling and it doesn't really apply to me as a two, but I've seen my role as, um, like a, a bringer of truth in a way and that doesn't really match what I know of as a, a two but it's almost like a providing the opportunity or the environment for um, like someone to unpack what's broken in them make that a comfortable space and then dig in deeper to replace that like the lie that they're believing with truth um so where like maybe a five would be more like here let me like teach you this truth right Mm -hmm. a two would be or i i feel like i more like make someone comfortable first like here's what's true about you here yeah and then here are some ways that you're believing some lies about who you are and then like, let me help you replace those lies. Again, I don't know if that's just specific to counseling or not. Yeah, I mean, but... if there's an analogy, like an analogy, because sometimes I think in analogies, but like if it's a ring and um, everybody on my side, like gets to fight anybody on the other side and we're trying to pair things up. So like chaos goes up there. I'm like, there's probably somebody better for this. Mm. Or what's one of the other ones that you said? Confusion. Like confusion's up there. I'm like, there's definitely somebody better for this. But I'm like a bull if insecurity gets in the ring Mm. and I just want to take it head on. I'm like, this is just so ridiculous. I I don't like when people say sorry for everything. Yeah. When people are like, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm like, okay, you dropped something. And the only person that affected was you because it hit your own toe. (laughs) Why are you apologizing for this? Who told you that this was wrong? Um, so if that's universal enough, insecurity rings. That's great. And then what, what do you bring to, what's your weapon of choice as you go up Mm. against insecurity? Empathy. I mean, like, to have empathy, to be able to notice the stuff that, like, my thing, too, is, like, I'm going to fight insecurity for you for a while, but my ultimate goal is to help you know where you've stashed these weapons. Like, there's stuff that you had already, and you've had it from the start. Yeah, it is not a win if I have to come back every day and tell you who you are. It's when you start telling yourself who you are that you're like, yeah! So could we maybe change the word empathy for empowerment? Yeah, oh yeah. Empowerment yeah, to insecurity. Twos bring empowerment to insecurity. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. I think I that's, a, that's, we're pretty close to dead on with that one. Yeah. Good. Because I think that's the, this is something that we would like to do for every type because I think it provides a lot of opportunity. Um, and over time we'll work out, hopefully we'll hear more from different people and whatever on how this works out in different types of relationships and we'll dig into it. But just knowing that as a type two, Type two is listening to this. Yeah, it's hey, if it, if it's your family, if it's your coworkers, if it's um, a, a major social issue, 
the fact that you have this ability, this superpower to bring empowerment to insecurity, look for that, find that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Use it, use it um, because you're the only ones that can. Yeah. That's, and that's I, your thing. I think maybe there's a, a goal, maybe not the ultimate goal, but I think one of the goals of that is autonomy for the person mm-hmm. that we're trying to help because I mean, for us, not that that's, it's selflessly selfish, but we need you with everything that we've given you to figure it out so we can move on to the next person. Right, absolutely. Because if I have the same project for, I don't, I can't give you an, an, an X amount of time, but I've got, if I've got the same project for too long, mm-hmm. I grew weary of it mm-hmm. to where I'm like, if I can't help you, I don't know who can. Yep. You need something else. Yep. And then you almost and then it's, become bitter. Yeah, it's aggravating. Uh-huh. It's like, why... Why is this not enough? Yeah. Um, you should go see Emily. She's a professional. <laughs> but. Yeah, I've given this my all. For whatever reason, it's not enough for you. Yeah. You need to find some Yeah, more. I don't want yeah. one project. Right. I'll say this just to start you off, and then I'll kind of relay this into a question for y'all. Okay. One of the things that I would always encourage and i have encouraged twos that i've had in my life is is two-sided is one make that realization of where the selfishness and i mean selfishness let's say individualism comes in why you're doing what you're doing for yourself Mm. not in a negative connotation of like you shouldn't be selfish but to realize i have genuine needs and i'm acting this way to try to fulfill those needs and it's helpful for me to know that I have needs. Yeah. That's on one side. Then on uns- the other side is kind of summed up in that phrase and really taking on this, this power, this ability, this trait that you have to empower, bring empowerment to insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, what is maybe some advice that you would give to twos or well, let's do that question first, and then we'll follow it off with another, one. with another one. Okay. Um, I think that twos most easily can fall into um, codependency. Um because we need to be needed. I mean, that's like the definition of codependency. Mm -hmm. And so in unhealthiness, it can get real messy and you're like tied to the person that you're trying to help so deeply that you're not able to help them. Um, So I guess the advice that I would give is um, like just being aware of that that tendency and um, being okay with yourself enough that you don't actually need someone else's insecurity in order for you to be okay. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's way unhealthy. You know, that's not helping anyone like you. You don't want insecurity. Right. Like you're, you can be okay whether you're helping someone or not, but um, you're most powerful when, like, you have taken care of yourself first before you're pouring into somebody else. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I'd echo that for sure. I was going to say something along the lines of, like, if you really do want to meet your full potential of trying to empower people, 
you've got to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that you've already said. And then I would also say too, um, I think the recognition of the selfishness is inevitable, but it's a checkpoint. It's not a, it is not an end. Don't land there. Yeah. You don't have to land there. And, and I, and I say that too, and it's something that I have to remind myself because every time I'm in it, even though I can look and reference back at the other dozen times it's happened, mm-hmm. I feel like this is it. Like, mm-hmm. this is the end. I can't view the world another way mm-hmm. except selfishness. And like how yeah. Emily did in college of just like, yeah. I need to be somewhere else for two months because mm-hmm. everything I've been doing is a lie. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be there um, because I think something that comes from it is, um, I mean, I think you're uh, like most people are okay with being like, once it's recognized, especially for a two, like all the work that you've been doing, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, you can't help but kind of rest in it for a yeah. while and mm-hmm. just be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're welcome. You know, it's yeah. like the, I, I did help with this certain thing. And yeah. so, yeah, I think that's where recognition of needs comes in. Yeah. yeah. Is is realizing it's there. It's because selfishness has such an, a, a negative connotation, mm-hmm. but it's I have genuine needs. I'm a human being. Human yeah. I'm going to have to fill yeah. those needs somehow. Yeah. And so if yeah. I can recognize them, I can fill them without using others. Yeah. And, yeah. and then my acts really do become selfless. And that's yeah. where the two just flourishes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Make, the, I'd say make your needs known too. Like is another, mm. if we're trying to give advice, it's, um, yeah, I definitely like, if, especially if you have that community. Like, just let them know. I think that a good practice for me is just to start by just any, even any trivial thing that I can think of that I need help with. Uh, just enough that gives somebody ammo to unpack it, yeah. right? Because there's other people that are capable of that too, obviously. You know, yeah. so yeah. it's a, because a lot of the times I don't really figure out what's wrong with me until somebody helps me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think you do get so other focused, mm-hmm. especially when you're really healthy. Um which brings its own unhealthiness, but yeah. Yeah. So the follow-up question kind of related to that was, would be what advice would you give to people who are interacting with twos Mm -hmm. or in a close relationship with a two? I mean, the, an easy thing is like, thank you a lot, Yeah, you know, to say that, not that you're feeding an ego, right? I know we've talked a lot about (laughs) selfishness, um, but being just, just thankful, like for what they're able to do. Yeah. Um, Man, it didn't really take much yeah. to make me not feel satisfied. There's probably a better word, but like, yeah, we do not need a parade to go through town. Like, no. we would prefer not for for a parade to not go through town. But no, just like a hey, I see you, thank you. Yeah, the behind the scenes stuff that you are doing, it's awesome. And I and we're already going to we're already going to be a an individual that appreciates probably the way that you communicate best. So don't think you have to give it back to us in the way that we're giving it to mm-hmm. you. Chelsea's an excellent writer and her most intimate, meaningful thing she's ever said to me has been through writing. And it's just been so super sweet to have yeah. that from her. Yeah. Um, and that always means a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I would say, ask us how we're really doing. Um, More than once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I've had some girls in my small group at church, um, 
over coffee be like, hey, um, yeah, we've been meeting for coffee for a few months now, and every single time we meet for coffee, you ask me a lot of questions about me, and we've we've had a lot of good conversations, mm-hmm. and I've been so thankful for you know the stuff that you've helped me work through, but I don't know you, and like, could you share what you're going through and like things that are difficult <laughs> for you? And I've been like, whoa, <laughs> like at first it like I was not offended, but like. You mean I haven't been doing this well? You know, like, um, but taking a step back, I was so thankful for that because I I desperately want um, to be open and honest and real with people and, and have others in my life caring about the struggles I'm going through, but I'm just not going to offer that up um, without being asked and being given permission to say those things and... Um, have a friend that's going to uh, keep asking uh, just really means the world because in most relationships I will leave coffee never once talking about myself and yeah. and unpacking whatever that uh, that person needs to talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, practicing what I've just heard, I just want to thank y'all. Yeah, <laughs> but but we do really appreciate y'all being open. Yeah, thank and you so much. Emily, I think it's safe to say you're still a two. Okay. Uh, yeah. We reestablished that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. A legitimate two, I'm not, not just socially. Not a poser. Uh, forced into not it. Not a poser. Oh, man. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so thanks, guys. Next time we'll be sitting down with two Enneagram type threes, which should be very interesting because... I don't know as many threes is what I've been realizing as we've been going through this thing. I know a lot more twos than I do threes. Uh, I will say an invitation to people who listen to this podcast. If you have more questions Mm, related to Enneagram type two, to put that in the comments and we can address them as much as Carter and I to. will both give our personal email addresses. Yeah, let us know if you need us. No, we will be <laughs> if you need all anything right, at all. Thanks so much, guys, and have a good night. Before you guys just give me <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>